All right. What's up, y'all? It's Will here with Schedule Fly, and I've got Chris Dickerson on the phone. Chris is down in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, he's been on the podcast before about a year ago. Uh, much different conversation back then, but I um, had a lot of respect for Chris. Uh, he's been a good customer for a long time and uh, just has a really cool story. So check out his, his initial episode, kind of sharing his story. He's got uh, started Corner Taco down in Jacksonville, Florida, and Second location up in Savannah. He's also got Squirrels Pizza, which opened last year. So, Chris, uh, you got a lot going on, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, okay, so actually, so when we talked, you were working on opening Squirrels. When did y'all actually open? We opened in late June, 2019. Late June. Okay. Um, now, are your locations all doing takeout right now, or what's your, what's your status? Yeah, well, so the Corner Taco in Florida is doing takeout delivery only uh squirrels in savannah is doing takeout delivery only both states are under a shelter in place order uh which means no in-house dining so yeah. we've been doing takeout only takeout delivery delivery through third parties like uber eats okay uh, that's been for gosh probably a month now okay got it now um tell me about the third party delivery what are your thoughts on that i mean i've, I've heard you know it's I've heard things like necessary evil. I've heard mixed reviews. I know that they, they're taking like 28, 30% off the top or something like that, if I'm correct. What, what's the story with that? Well, I'd rather have 70% of something than 100% of nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's the basic, the best way I can describe it. And I, I've been saying for a long time, I think I mentioned this on our last call, the, the world has been moving towards more takeout, more delivery. It's, it was probably only 10% of sales at Corner Taco when we first started with delivery companies a couple of years ago. Now it's about 20. Um, yeah. Obviously during the pandemic, it's even higher than that. But, but uh, Netflix, Netflix effect, people are, are just so used to sitting at home. I think they want good food, but they don't want to get out and go leave their house. And I think with this, the, the pandemic, people rediscovered their homes. I try to buy stuff for my yard or stuff for my house on Amazon or Home Depot.com. And so many things are sold out. And people have, I think, rediscovered things like eating together at home, Sunday supper, I think is going to be a big thing. And I think that's going to drive even a great a shift, even an even greater shift towards delivery and takeout. Yeah, I think you're on to something, man. Um, I mean, people are starting to realize they can do it and um, don't have to rely on all that other stuff. And we're, had, we're kind of having to all slow down and rethink how we live and what's important. Um, the social distancing which is you know i guess mandated now is probably going to continue um for a long time i would imagine there's going to be a lot of psychological scarring probably for community gatherings what do you think that means for your your in-house dining and and what are your thoughts on planning for the those changes going forward well i think i, I have to first preface my response by saying that the the number one word i'd use to describe my feeling right now as it relates to the the restaurant industry and this overall economy is ambivalence. Like on the one hand, I feel empathy and compassion for the people who've been so adversely affected both physically and economically. But on the other hand, this is a massive opportunity. Yeah. Change brings opportunity. And this is an opportunity for restaurateurs and business owners in general to rethink their business models, Yep. Uh, to experiment and try things without worrying about things that being as confusing as it would have normally been. Like for example, at both Corner Taco and Squirrels, when the pandemic first hit, we both both restaurants morphed into a food hall. 
offering things like General So's chicken, uh, chicken tikka masala, etc. That would have been really confusing to have done six months ago. But in context with the pandemic, that's something that we could we could try. And neither of those really worked that well. There were a couple dishes that sold well, like the General So's chicken uh, and then orange chicken. And we kept those at Corner Taco. They didn't sell that well at Squirrels. But we kept those. But something we did at Squirrels, we would not have normally done, is we did a large format lasagna. Fed a family of four, homemade lemon, lemon ricotta, uh, organic tomato sauce. We sold it for $22. And those have been selling like gangbusters. That's not something we would have experimented with six months ago. So it's a, it's a massive opp- opportunity for us to try new and different things, see what sticks. Some of that's going to stick going forward. I think large format meals are going to be a, a thing. You know, people wanting to get a, a, let's say, a whole roasted chicken with side of mashed potatoes. Grab and go, I think, could be a thing. So what's fascinating to me is to think about where things are headed. Like, we're all in this together. There's a strange sort of poetry and a sense of communion that exists. Uh, the My front yard is, I used to always sit in my backyard, not my front yard. But it reminds me of college now, sitting in my front yard because my neighbors are out grilling. You mm. smell the sound. You smell the. You smell the charcoal. You hear the sounds of, of the children laughing in the front yard. So there's there is a weird sort of poetry to this, a sense of communion, and there's the the fact that less people on the roads means less pollution. You know, Savannah's been inordinately beautiful, as I'm sure Charlotte has been too. The skies are particularly blue. Birds are chirping throughout the day as opposed to just in the morning. So there is there is a silver lining, and and I'll tell you honestly, our sales have not been down that much. Corner Taco, some days beats last year's numbers, and last year was record year. Schools wow. has been been down more than Corner Taco, but we're still we're still covering our costs. Uh, Corner Taco actually made a profit, a pretty significant profit in March. Really, uh, my managing, managing partners there, Courtney and Christine Parks, are doing a great job. And it's it's uh so this has been a big opportunity for us and and one of the reasons there is so much opportunity is because we live in a world which in which things don't work the way that they should and a part of that is is people's response and so many people now are scared terrified it's a response i understand but at the same time i think this is a a, a time for true leadership and mm. to think about doubling down and and setting yourself apart for the future for example at both restaurants, we as soon as the pandemic hit, we started offering 10% of all sales, not just pre-delivery sales. We don't take out any fees, but 100% of all sales, obviously not including tax and tip. But 100% of all sales go to Giving Kitchen, which helps restaurant workers in states of crisis or during yeah. times of crisis. Uh, and that not, not only is good ethics good business, that's been a big driver of sales too. People, I think people would rather have a portion of their proceeds go to a charity that they think is doing good work and have it have the same amount of money as a discount. And so that, and that's something we, we, we've always participated in charities, but it's never been as formalized as it is now. So that's it. To, to me, this is a time for true leadership and, it, and there's, there's a ton of opportunity. The amount of cheap money out there now, like the PPP funds and also the idle loans. I mean, it's just, and so many people aren't even trying. Or they're waiting a week to apply, you know, which point the funds are their Albert, the application process is closed. But I, I'll tell you, I've gotten a significant amount of money that I wouldn't have gotten before at very low interest rates. And it's so there's, there's, there's opportunity. I love the mentality, my friend. I'm not surprised with that. Um, you've always had a very, well, I mean, dude, you're just an entrepreneur through and through. I mean, the, what you just articulated is how true, thoughtful, intentional, um, 
entrepreneurs think because you're you're talking about the process of you know finding the silk i mean i i've literally been asking everybody you 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 said the exact words i've been asking everybody on these interviews what's what are some silver linings um because i always try to find those and you just articulated that right up front without any prompting and the process of trial and error which is such a big part of the entrepreneurial process um i mean that's where we come up with our greatest you know our greatest inventions throughout history have been typically just accident or trial and error or something where necessity is you know the mother of all invention as they say i mean this is necessity right now right so i totally agree i i I really do uh appreciate and tip my hat to the way you're approaching this and the way you're thinking about it um likewise well i mean look there's there's two sort of i think there's sort of two core emotions that drive all of our decisions fear and love and um if you operate out of fear you you eliminate your creative process or you, you certainly um, hinder it significantly and you, you retract and you think very limited. Um, if you operate out of, out of love, that, that's, you know, you may not have thought what you were just articulating was love, but it really is. It's, it's a love for, um, you know, I mean, all that you talked about with the sort of the poetry and the harmony of all this, that comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of of uh, positivity and it comes from a place of recognizing that we we don't have control of everything and so something that's completely out of our control and in this case it does i mean there's some weird sense of comfort almost that comes from the fact that we're all dealing with this some more than others certainly from a personal health perspective financial perspective business perspective but we're all in it uh, we're all affected by it some people that aren't affected by it yet will be because of second and third order effects that uh, totally, totally maybe agree. they haven't even thought about that yet but i mean the point is you know, it's funny you said that because <laughs> I've been sitting on my front porch. I even told my wife that I was like, I, you know, we've been here for. As I was telling you before we got, you know, started recording, we we just closed. We just sold our house, um, and uh, for 15 years we've been living here. I think I've sat on my front porch like 10 times <laughs> until the last month, and I think I've sat on my front porch daily. Uh, actually, I've been going out there and having my coffee. I've never done that, but people are walking, yep. and people, you know, it, it is really weird, but. Um, but I agree, man, and I'm glad you're looking at it that way. There's a lot of positive uh, energy and vibes that are, are flowing through you uh, to your team right now, to your customers, to your community. It's going to come through this podcast. People need that right now. It's why we're, we feel very fortunate to have this opportunity to talk to folks like you around the country, Chris. And, uh, you know, I wish Giving Kitchen, I, I know about that. I know, I think it's just in Georgia, if I remember correctly, because I've looked into it before. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal organization. I hope it expands in some way from this. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I've always been impressed with what I've heard about Giving Kitchen. Yeah, they do. It is just in Georgia, but they have plans to to go further afield. And, and I'm hoping we can we can help with that. We, in just two weeks, we donated 4,200 bucks, 4,980 bucks between the two restaurants of them. And, and we're, my goal is 10, 10 grand. I think we'll be there mm-hmm. this week. Talk about their, uh, what they do, their mission. So they help restaurant workers in the state of Georgia during times of crisis. And obviously the pandemic is, is a, a good example of that time of crisis, but it's also, if someone, if someone suddenly needs a, uh, liver transplant or their I, I, I read a summary they, their website actually gives a summary of money they've recently given out uh, not the amounts not the names of people but just a just kind of quick you know high level view of, of where it's going but someone someone's daughter just went through major surgery and giving kitchen helped them and, and uh, they just they that's something near very near and dear to me it just you know, there's a strange sense of just community that exists amongst 
people in the hospitality industry, it's all, it's very hard work, but we all love it. You know, ones, the ones who are in it as a career, we love it. And it's, it's, uh, uh, so my ultimate goal and the sort of the why behind why I do what I do, my main goal isn't money. My main goal is excellence and yep. money. I firmly believe is a byproduct. byproduct. It's, it's proven, proven. That's a proven reality for me. That's my personal truth, but everyone needs their own, you know, to figure out their own calculus of what's most important, what their definitions of success is, et cetera. But the, the ultimate why for me is I want to help people who want to own a restaurant, but can't access capital through, through traditional means being what, what I mean really is banks. Like I don't have any investors. I've never wanted investors. It's not that hard to find investor money, but there's a, 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 a very high hidden cost. And mm. the, one of the, the highest costs is often chaos, just, lack of agreement and how to how to grow and i think it's i've tried having partners a few times i think it's either magic or it's awful i don't think there's really an in between and yeah. there are some magic partnerships out there but i've always wanted to do it my own way uh, and so getting money from banks i've got excellent credit it's typically around the 800 fico score and i've got a really solid resume that's restaurant specific and it's been virtually impossible for me to get funding especially for new squirrels was because it's not two years old, it's been very, very difficult to get any reasonable financing. The kind of financing I can get is like six months at 40%, you know, the huge paybacks daily. And, and that to me is just not acceptable. There's so many people who've got the most important factors, which are the passion, the skill set, yeah. the drive, but they cannot, they'll never be able to open their own restaurant. So the why for me is to help those people out financially. Um, that's why I do what I do. And, and that's, we I might, in the near term, I thought it was a long way off, but I might start a foundation. Uh, it might be able to do much more quickly than I thought to, to specifically do that. And I can also help, help people who want some you know, guidance on the best way to do it. There's, like you know, I talked about before, it's having good food is only a small part of it. You know, there's so many other things that go into to running a successful restaurant or successful business. So that's sort of the why, but the giving kitchen back to your question, sorry, I digressed is they, they, uh, they, they it's just, they, they help, people specifically the hospitality industry now just in georgia but it, it won't be long before they expand and i really believe in what they're doing and what they're doing the, the, i've met several people involved and they're, they're great people and, and they're doing it for all the right reasons yeah man what a cool organization okay i gotta okay so i gotta ask you about this all right so first of all i love the fact that you uh have been able to do this without investors because you're right and particularly now imagine trying to pivot and be creative and, you know, when you've got a bunch of investors, who knows how they respond to something like this. Um, and, and you have that flexibility to do that without having that, you know, other part of this conversation to, to manage and deal with all the time. Right. Oh, hey, we're not going to be able to make our, you know, payment to you this month or what. I mean, good grief. Or here's what we're going to try. Wait a minute, Chris. Why are you doing that? Right, um, right. So that's a huge part of this. You know, there's a uh, there's a guy we interviewed years ago for our first book mick heinekamp he started a brewery out in uh colorado years years ago eddie line and uh, i think like his original business plan called for like a million dollars and he was you know just i mean there was no way he was going to get that and he kept having to whittle it down the dude wound up starting that place for 70 grand like he went through all these iterations and you know again it was like the necessity like he had to figure out how do I get used equipment and refurbish? He had to learn to do things himself, right? But, you know, he yep. started this thing for 70 grand, and it was such a big eye-opener for him that, you know, I didn't 
I thought I needed all that because I was using traditional way of thinking and planning, but really I was able to do it for pennies on the dollar. And, uh, that can also be the case a lot of the times if you can't, you know, it's almost a blessing sometimes when it is hard to get funding because oh, totally you, you have to, you just don't have a choice. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we're thankful we don't have any investors right now. I can tell you that, um, boy, I'm so thankful that we didn't go through that and go through some high, you know, rapid accelerated growth process and dealing with all that stuff because, you know, we're not having to lay anybody off. We, we have a, you know, we have a profitable business. We're able to, we'll, we'll get through this, I guess is the point. Right. And, um, we're thankful for that, but let me ask you this. So you're thinking about this foundation. Now I have to ask playing devil's advocate. Do you, um, do you not look at folks that are wanting to do that and say, Hey, you don't, you don't necessarily need the money you think you, you need. Here's, here's ways you can do it without. And I'm sure I, I know what you're going to say, but I'm just, I have to ask that question. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I could help with. Here's a perfect example to, to your point. Squirrels was supposed to have costed 1x, and it costed like 5x. And I, I thought I was as hedged as I could possibly have been. Like the, the building, I have a great landlord. He was going to pay for some of the core costs like grease trap, uh, air conditioning, etc. The building was already the, – the building was uh, concrete block. There was, there was very little risk of there being some, like, surprise, like when we, when we laid the plumbing in. There wasn't any surprise. But the reality is what's – one of the things that makes it so challenging to get money for a restaurant from a bank is that in order to get approved for a loan, you have to have construction estimates. But you can't really get good construction estimates until you get the architectural drawings, the engineering drawings, et cetera. And those, uh, in my case, for squirrels, which is only 1,500 square feet, those cost over $30,000. Okay, yep. No one's going to spend $30,000 to see if they get approved for a loan. Yeah. And so that's endemic to the process. And when it was revealed that the money, the, the project was, was going to cost a lot more, the bank wouldn't give me any more money. They wanted to wait two years, yet they had a wraparound. UCC, so they had a lien on not just all my business assets, but all my personal assets, my mm. home, uh, and present and future. So no bank, no other bank would give me money because there's no collateral left. So it's, it's endemic to the process, and I want to help people avoid that. But I can also help give them guidance. For example, when I realized it was going to cost so much more, I did a lease back of the equipment. So I'd already purchased the equipment, uh, and I leased it back to a third party or I sold it to a third party. So they gave me back hundred percent of what I paid and they leased it back on a four year plan at the end of which I can buy the assets back for a dollar. And the benefit too, is that those, those now, cause it's, uh, it's a, there are new accounting rules and basically it's a, a capital lease. And as a result, basically in a nutshell, without getting too much in the weeds and I'm not an expert on accounting, but the assets show up on my balance sheet, but the debt does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the payments can then get expensed. So it freed up a bunch. Of, so anyway, things like that, I could, that's something I would like to be able to help people with. And to your point, it won't, people can do it. Cor- Corner taco only costs when it first opened like $60,000. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it often doesn't cost nearly as much as people think it has to, but, but it's restaurants are expensive. And, and that is a very, your friend's example is a very rare one. Like even just the permits alone, like I said, just the, not even the permits, just the drawings cost $30,000. The liquor license was sixty was $6,000. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I, I can't really see doing a restaurant anywhere for a hundred nowadays would be on a dime and really is closer to probably a million. Um, so it's, it's, it's super expensive and it's out of the reach of the vast majority of people. And most of the time when I meet someone who owns a restaurant without investors, most of the time when you, when we really start talking, 
their father's a doctor and you know pledged uh, you know, yeah. their house or their there's some family money like it, it, that wasn't my case but i'm saying that was that that's often the case and i don't think someone have, should have to be wealthy in order to own their sliver of the american dream you know especially restaurants being so capital intensive it's it's i i i've only met a few people in my life restaurateurs who own the restaurants outright who don't come from family money yeah it's, that, it's very rare. yeah you're right man it's a good point it's a great point you're, you're kind of talking almost like a is it like a y combinator for restaurants something sort of like well, that i, I want to give, I give, love give that. them the, I, what i'd like to do is start a fund like one, mm. one of the things i really enjoy doing is investing too yeah i'm know, interested man <laughs> make a living doing it in stocks and the what i'm thinking about really doing is is giving them startup capital and also advice and obviously we'd have to pick and choose carefully people would have to have good ideas but it's it's uh maybe an angel investor uh but specifically in restaurants and specifically for people who can't get money from banks i love that man you know we've actually talked about that here at schedule fly before um we i mean like not to any you know any any serious level but we've just thrown that idea around uh internally the problem i always have was like well but then you have to tell people no on their dream and and ah, god that's a hard thing but um but also because we you know we'd have to we would have had to have recruited people you know find people like you but now that you're mentioning that dude anyway we'll talk offline but i'm interested man i think it's fascinating i agree with you 100 percent. i think that people that have to work harder for it that don't have that um cushion or don't have that you know family money or whatever ultimately appreciate what they're doing more often they they are more creative they're a little grittier they hustle a little more they kind of get it a little bit more they probably run the business a little bit more conservatively in terms of you know socking money away for a rainy day and just all those kinds of things that um i certainly admire that a lot and uh i think i i love that you're doing that man that's so i mean i got chills right now brother i think that's really exciting so keep keep going after that man that's freaking awesome it's 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 uh it's something I, I love doing. I love I love using myself right and like I said, restaurants are something I'm very passionate about and there's so many people who've got good ideas but will never be able to get them off the ground because they can't get money from a bank. I talk to I'm tenacious when it comes to pursuing capital and I mm. I've probably talked to a hundred banks over the last two years trying to get money from schools and everyone's like can't do it and it's not because of anything structural with my credit i've never had a bankruptcy like i said i typically have about 800 credit score and the our financials look good our balance sheet looks good but it's just usually a hard hard no because you have to wait two years or it would be some inane you know like i've had six pulls in my credit in the last year well my credit gets pulled somebody owns multiple you know two restaurants and and a food truck too every time i open a new electricity account or a gas account they do a hard pull my credit even i'm not financing anything an alarm even i don't finance it they pull my credit cable they pull your credit so it's i've got you know six to ten pulls a year without even borrowing money and there there are lots of commercial lenders who after a certain number of pulls they automatically say no yeah so it's and it's and the algorithmic inputs too this i don't think we talked about this but algorithms have the proliferation of algorithms and how they affect daily life like they affect obviously how something even as the name is how many or what what facebook posts you see what instagram posts you see but they also affect access to capital for example i have two mx business platinums um, they're always i don't I, they're always paid on time they're you know, yeah the 
but the and I've had had one for twenty years, and the you know I've been a solid customer for them. But that if I if I here's just a basic example of how algorithms can affect you adversely now, and you wouldn't necessarily even know it. Like especially people who don't need commercial capital. If I let's just say I have a ten thousand dollar Amex bill uh, for for one of my businesses for, for, for the month. If I pay twenty, if I paid twenty five hundred dollars a week for four weeks and paid off early, that affects the algorithms. It makes it look like I don't have the full amount. So it's better to wait until the last day and pay a full ten grand than it is to pay the pay it in four installments, even though they get the money early. You'd think they'd like that because it would help with the cash flow. Yeah. So inane, but somebody who created those algorithm inputs, you know, determined that if you only pay small amounts, it means that your cash flow is hurting. That's silly to me, but that's one example. So having to work around that, and I know, oh, man. I know I the, ex- the exact day oh, that Amex pulls, yeah, gets. And now I had a, uh, uh, I charged on one of my, a different Amex. I had a, I hadn't used it in years, and I had, I think I had access to, it had a zero balance. But anyway, I, I pulled the maximum cash I could pull out as a cash advance. I think it was like three thousand dollars. I pulled that off on a Friday, paid it back on a Saturday, came out of my account on a Monday. Day, telegraph the interest the best that I could and I somehow underpaid the interest by four dollars but it wasn't even it wouldn't be due for 30 days I just didn't want to carry a balance so the next day I paid that four dollars like never nothing was late there was no problem it happened to be on 31st of the month and the Amex and just like other credit cards sent an alert to all the other you know reporting to all the reporting agencies Equifax etc that my balance on a dormant card increased by 400 percent it was four dollars but it was it reported it as four hundred percent increase, which affected my credit score. That is silly, but that's that's a that's a new frontier that business owners need to be aware of. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew, God, that's pretty wild. Well, um, and that's only going to get worse. Um, yeah, or it's only going to it's just going to keep changing. And well, look, man, I um. One more, one more thing I would want to ask you about. Uh, I don't want to keep you. I know I asked for like 20 minutes, but I do have to ask because you mentioned it, I think, before we well, – you've, you've referenced it here, but the PPP process. You, so you applied yep. for that early. You got, you've, have you already gotten funding? Yep. Okay. Okay, good, good. Um, is, that's just been such a mixed bag. Who was your bank? Well, I used – I'll tell you honestly, like I – I this is an emotional topic for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I do think there are a lot of people not doing their homework. Like, and and I, I I read about two hours a day just on the on the PPPs, the idols, and there's so much misinformation. There'll be a you know people read the headline and got to go to the source documents. There's a lot of benefits to PPP. I think it's a good program. The idol program has been a good one too. I I talked to about ten banks before I decided which ones to use. And I do have good relationships with my bankers. I'm certainly not one of the biggest customers, but they know that yeah, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And and the I got my applications in the the minute that I got an email saying that the you know the, the bank is now accepting applications. And one of those was like you know 7:30 on a Friday night. I immediately stopped what I was doing. I filled out the application, got it in right away. I had the money within two weeks in the, in my account. So uh, there were a lot of people who are. I'm, I'm certainly empathetic to people who applied early and they, they didn't get it, their bank didn't process it. But there are also people I know who waited a week, you know, or two weeks. And it's, 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 uh, so the, the, and, and they, they didn't get the money. You know, they probably will eventually when the second tranche comes through. But my process with that, my, my, uh, experience with the PPP was, was a, a positive one, honestly. It was, 
it was a pretty streamlined application. My banks dealt, dealt with me fairly. One of my, the bank with whom I have a really great relationship in Florida, been with them for years. It's a credit union called One to One Financial. Uh-huh. My banker there is Tillery, uh, who's amazing. Um, Community bank. And then, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they're only in Florida, and I have to. It's been sort of a pain in the ass. If I want to make a deposit to them, I have to go to a shared branch. But it's been I've stuck with them because they've been so good to me. And and uh, and then I used to Novus for squirrels because one to one doesn't have a branch here. Okay, got it. Well, um, I'm glad you called them out because I really wanted to highlight the banks that have been stepping up. Because a lot of, I mean, you know, some of the folks dealing with the larger banks, unfortunately, have had a really hard time through no fault of their own, even if they applied early. It's just been, I mean, there's actually a lawsuit against Wells right now. They're saying that they, they uh, for like the first 10 days, they, they picked and choose, you know, the largest yeah. loans because they wanted to maximize their fees. So who knows if that's true or not? I, that's alleged. I'll say that. I, I think a lot of the banks did. That. I mean, apparently they're getting, yeah. I've heard they're, I don't know if it's true. It's not confirmed, but I heard that bank, banks are getting five points on the loans. And I certainly, they you know, are trying to take care of their best customers. Yeah. Um, well, right. They're, they're very incented to look, look out for the largest customers in that situation. I mean, yeah, that's, just, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what they're going to do, but yeah, I don't think the PPV is perfect. I mean, the, 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 the route here's, here's something that's, I think a, 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 a interesting point about the whole thing, like the whole pandemic, this is the wild west. Now, this yep. is the only time in my lifetime when I've known banks and lenders to actually be flexible it's almost like having a test where there's no right or wrong answer you just have to support why you said what you said yeah so in other words for the ppp for in terms there are actually different ways to calculate payroll there's a seat you can use a seasonal treatment a lot of people are you know, the, the form might say calendar but there are actually alternative ways that you can get directly from the sba website uh, and that can skew your proceeds by a huge number um so it's it's uh it's 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 it is sort of like the wild west and that and and i think you can use that to your advantage you just got to know more than the next guy yeah uh, and do your homework and and put, yeah. the, put the time and energy into really studying it and probably have a good accountant and a good attorney too but um and also cross-reference what they say i have a bookkeeper in florida and an accountant in georgia and i yeah i i cross-reference and they sometimes contradict each other they're both very great they're very very good uh, my accountant in savannah is a total badass he's he's just he's brilliant he's come he's he's read every page of the source documents on this stuff and he and i consult and there's there's actually a lot more latitude uh with these these loans than people realize and i don't want to specifically call them out because i'm taking you know my own approach but people need to read for themselves what you know what they're comfortable with i'm very comfortable because i have a, a good bit of knowledge yeah about how to use but it's it's uh it's this is this is a time when people can bend rules Yep. in a way that they couldn't have been bent them six months ago. And, and as long as they can justify why they're doing what they're doing, I'm not talking about just lending almost a regulatory standpoint. Like yeah. now it's supposed Savannah and Jacksonville now allow restaurants that don't have liquor licenses to sell basically beer to go, but it's very, it's very unclear as to exactly what you can do. So you know, there are restaurants selling growlers, for example, uh, that's not specifically, it's not specifically spelled out that they can do it, but it's not specifically spelled out that they can't. So it's, there's no other time in history that I can think of where we have that kind of latitude. We'd have that kind of latitude. Can you also, that's uh, an opportunity. Can you sell liquor to go? No, we, we don't have liquor. Like we, we actually squirrels. We can, um, technically it's supposed to be in original container, but it's, but that's, this is not a time when the, yeah. you know, it, it, we're not doing that, but I know of restaurants here that are selling it and 
basically like bag in the box style. And it's, it's, I don't think anybody, any regulatory official is, is going to be bent out of shape about that in, in, in context. There are other things they're rather, they're rather work on. They're and, more important. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. So that's, but if you, if you extrapolate from that, there's opportunity in that greatness. That's, that's, that's where a lot of opportunity is born. You know, a lot of times things are so black and white, especially with banking. It's generally so black and white. This is the first time I've ever seen it gray. Totally agree, man. Well, I asked that about the liquor because I'm just, I can't believe North Carolina. I have not, North Carolina won't let you do that. You cannot do it. Uh, uh, and the ABC board, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but, you know, that could be a really nice source of additional revenue for a lot of people that do have a liquor license. And they they just, you know, for whatever reason. But anyway. Yeah, th- this this is the time to think out of the box. Yes, exactly. Whether you're a regulatory official or – and, and, it's, and that, that, is, that is fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I mean, just silly. Because the way you would think about it for their perspective is like, hey, additional tax revenue, you know. And uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it potentially, but for whatever reason. Well, look, dude, Chris, man, I can't thank you enough. Um, I really appreciate this a lot. And uh, yeah, by the way, sorry for the dog barking a minute ago. So that was no one. Problem. We got this dog in, in, in our neighborhood. And every t- it's this little tiny dog. And every time this lady walks it. All it does is it has this high-pitched yap, and it just does it the entire way. You can hear it coming forever. Of course, my dogs hear it. They come running out the dog door, and Elvis, little, you know, he won't – I'm waving over to him. He, he just ignores me. He just starts barking. My wife came and got him. But anyway, sorry about that. I don't want to yell at him on the middle of the podcast. But, uh, hey, do me a favor. When you have a chance, um, shoot me a uh, – I'm calling them quarantine selfies, but just shoot me a, a picture I can use to um, – put up on the uh on our instagram if you go to our instagram page you'll see all these pictures of everybody we've been interviewing and um yeah we'll post that up there i mean the one that i've already that i use on instagram and stuff whatever you want man just yeah yeah for sure i mean you can check out our instagram and see what kinds of stuff people are sending it's pretty whatever you want to do is cool and we'll stick it up there and uh man i just appreciate i appreciate the time appreciate the business appreciate the thoughtfulness and just the conversation man it's just uh it's energizing and i i really we all need, you know, as much of that as we can get right now. So really appreciate that a lot. All right, all the best. Good to talk to you too, Will. All right, man. Congrats Have a good house. Yeah, man. All right, see you. Bye. Bye.